In the last episode, we talked about the four reasons people typically will commit espionage when they're approached by an intelligence officer or when they just choose to approach an intelligence officer themselves. In this episode, we're going to look at a recent event about how easy this is to happen and how the low the standards are of the people that commit espionage and how willing they are to do it for so little. This is another episode of Espionage in the News, a recent spy story about someone who got caught with a life full of stress and so low standards that he didn't get a lot for it. That's what we're going to talk about right here in Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. It's really the movies and TVs that give us the idea of the glorious lifestyle, the big hotels, the briefcase full of money, the jewels, and all the fancy stuff people are willing to commit espionage for. But in the real world, most people that get caught don't do it for very much. In fact, they do it for very little. It's quite often surprising to me, even though there's famous stories out there, if you look at what people really did it for, especially when it comes down to money, the biggest motivator and also the number one way that we reward people for intelligence, it's quite interesting to see how many people will do it for so far less. Of course, some of them don't know exactly what they're doing it for. This recent story comes from Italy. It's quite interesting to say, Lisa, an Italian naval officer who's a captain on a frigate. Now, to put this in perspective, a naval captain probably makes around 6,000 U.S. a month, six to 7,000 at the most. The average Navy soldier or sailor makes about 58,000 a year. There's ads. I had to look it up to find it. There's ads that show that Navy ship captains or ship captains make about 75,000, but there's no guarantee that they're naval officers and it turns out they're making around 6,000 US a month on average. So to put that in context, this guy was caught selling secrets. And the articles say he was selling NATO secrets. Now, he probably was selling stuff from Italy, which is a NATO country, but it very well could have been actual NATO information as well. We don't know that for sure. Sold it to some Russians and he got caught in a parking garage. Now this is what's interesting about this. Military police from Rome, or at least it was reported in Rome. I'm not sure if this happened in Rome. They swooped in, got the guy, as they said. His name was Walter Bayat, and he had a dossier, classified dossier, of Italian state secrets and classified NATO documents he gave to a spy for about the equivalent of $6,000 or one month's pay. He's a captain of the Navy Frederick, charged with espionage and endangering state security, common charge under different titles, but... Similar to what we would do here in other places is espionage and usually something about compromise of state secrets or national security, something along those lines. Italy's response, of course, was to kick a couple of Russians out of the country. And the thing is, when this happens, it's actually an embarrassment to everybody. Clearly, it's an embarrassment to the Russians because they got caught. And it's also a situation of possibly bad tradecraft, but we don't know specifically who these Russian agents were. Were they actual agents? Which organization they work for? Were they just standard equivalents of State Department employees trying to do the right thing or trying the best they can, how much training they have, because I seriously doubt there's somebody like the GRU, but you never know. We could find that out. Obviously, Italy gets to make it look like a win and sell it as a win because they caught some spies, but it's an embarrassment and failure for the country that has the spy because they have not only a citizen committing espionage and selling state secrets, it's somebody that is a trusted member and an officer in the military who very likely has a high-level security clearance, which questions the background check system and all that. Not that that's necessarily fair, because there's all kinds of reasons people do it. Now, the interesting thing is this guy's wife came out and said he's not really a spy for Russia. 
by definition, he's a spy for Russia, but I understand why she would say that. Apparently, they had quite a bit of financial trouble, including a mortgage on a house. It's about the equivalent of 300000 U.S., which I don't know what the cost of living is in Italy compared to that, but in America, a $300,000 mortgage compared to about a $6,000 income is a pretty good ratio. Of course, they also mentioned they had four dogs. It sounds like he had a lot of stress. Don't know how much of that's coming from the wife or the family, but clearly has some financial difficulties. But the point is, guy's a senior military officer. He's making a fairly good paycheck, probably especially over there. On top of that, what he got paid was about one month's pay. Now, to add into this, that one month's pay was for that transaction. They completed the transaction. Police swarm in, arrest him. Of course, they take the money and the classified documents, turn it back over to the government. Come to find out, they found suspicions on the guy, started tracking him about four months ago. He's made other exchanges, and over that time, he has received the equivalent of about 48000 U.S. dollars. So what it looks like is he was doing more than one month's pay a month. But the question is, if he got 48000 theoretically was going to get another six, roughly about 54000 U.S., or about one-sixth the price of that house. And also the equivalent of several months pay. What other debts or situations did he have? What stress did he have in his life? And the thing is, this is this is common. This is what people do this for when it comes down to money. They tend to do it for very little. Intelligence organizations and collectors have money to spend. They value that money against the information, but they're also willing to negotiate it down. For example, one expenditure we have in the intelligence community is just for incidental items things that we're willing to give people as incentives like cigarettes or maybe it's a bus pass. There's all kinds of little things that we get incentives for. Sometimes it's just small amounts of money. We pay people for their time. This had nothing to do with me, but when I was over a human intelligence platoon while deployed, we were spread over a large geographic area. I had with interpreters and assigned human collection teams, I had like 65, 70 people I oversaw. And we set some sort of record, apparently, for the amount of not only intel, but quality, verifiable intel outside of the interrogation facility. We'd spent the least amount of money, and some months we didn't spend any money. And really, it just came down to the people they were talking to had positive motivations of why they wanted to be there. A lot of times, money wasn't offered to them. Sometimes they turned it down, or they just wanted a couple cigarettes, not even a pack. And the guy that talked to them smoked, gave them a couple cigarettes, or had a pack, and they just made the pack last because they didn't smoke. So sometimes these guys are willing to negotiate for a lot less than they can get or the handler or intelligence officer doesn't even offer them anything. So this is why it's so crazy to think about the value of the information that's classified that people have access to and in comparison to their own situations, how little it will take for them to betray their countries. It doesn't take a lot. If you think about anything I've ever talked about on here, for those who follow YouTube or Anybody that listened to this who's been trained by me or been in training with me knows that despite all the skills, the body language, the manipulation, the building of relationships, when you get somebody in this position who is hurting or feels like they're hurting, feels like it's the end of the world, needs to be saved, and what it takes to save them is so small, that's all it really takes. It doesn't even take all these other skills. Anything, you're trying to make the guys feel better about what they're doing. So it'd be interesting to find out the one thing we won't know, who exactly were the handlers, who were the guys, the real spies, what training did they have, how'd this guy get caught, what kind of stuff was he selling, what's happening to him now other than jail, and how bad was the debt? 
is based on what information's out there, it's got to be a lot worse to think he would do this for as little as $6,000. Compare that to criminals you've seen on real-world type law enforcement shows, the amount of money those guys make when they get caught. Espionage guys just aren't getting paid that much when they are in a tough jam. The guys that are getting paid a lot aren't in a jam and just happen to have really good information. But this is a true story. This is what it's like. A lot of the guys that are doing it for bad reasons do it for a far less money or far less reward, whatever it is, than the guys that are doing it for good reasons. Because the guys are doing it for good reasons, while they have things to lose if they get caught, they're not in any difficult place in life. But the guys that are really hurting, that think they have everything to lose, actually have probably almost lost everything, and it takes very little to sway them, to persuade them, to influence them, to help you. And that's assuming you have to make the effort. Guys like this, he might have just happened to meet somebody or just went there himself. We don't know. Maybe it comes out that way. But espionage in the news, this is why it's so fun and it makes me laugh. This is a real world story. Six grand, that's all it took. And he was handing over NATO secrets and he got caught. And the question we got to ask is, all those other transactions, however much they were, are the equivalent of about 48000 U.S.? What other information did he give him, and is he going to cough that up? And what links to those intelligence agencies and government law enforcement assets Italy has, what links are they willing to go through to interrogate and t- talk to this guy to find out what he gave up? That'd be interesting to know. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please give us a like and a share. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to check out the show notes. I'll throw the articles in for this. I'll be having more information coming up like this not too far down the road, espionage in the news. And for those of you who follow the YouTube channel, this Sunday, production value is getting a little better. Had a few hangups, but we're going to do Gray Man versus Everyday Carry. We're going to talk about some Everyday Carry, some of the stuff I've talked about on here last year, things people don't normally think about. It's not really a review of products. Talk about a few things I carry, things that people don't normally think about that might change their lives, might help them out and kind of get away from the aspect of something's cool or it's a cool guy or it's a really expensive toy that we don't necessarily use. So thank you for listening and we'll be back here shortly for you with another show right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight.